And uh, folks, again, a, a warm welcome to you. It's uh, so good to be back properly in September. Um, and it's so nice to gather together. My name's Paul, and uh, Chantel and I, we're going to sort of tag team this morning as we share. Uh, kind of outline just a few things of what's coming up in the life of the church during this year. Uh, lots of churches kind of take this Sunday or the Sunday before to kind of do Vision Sunday and uh, go, Ta-da, this is it. And so what we would like to do is a little bit like that, but we're not going to go, ta-da, because it's not quite who we are. But what we would like to do is remind ourselves, this is who we are, and this is what we do, and this is why we do what we do. And uh, it's important. I, I heard a phrase once uh, that says this, vision leaks. Meaning, unless we continue to remind ourselves this is what we're about, we begin to sort of drift and kind of forget who we are and what have you. And so we want to just remind ourselves a little bit about that. The vision hasn't changed. That would be uh, interesting. That would be a little bit like a boat going on one course and then deciding to change course. And sometimes, actually, in the life of things, things will sort of tweak and change. Um, But this morning, we want to... Uh, just remind ourselves, but also highlight some exciting things that are going to be happening and developing in the life of our church. So, our vision. What's our vision? I'm just interested. What, what are the kind of the couple of key strap line lines, sentences that we use? Any ideas? Community, yes, we're coming on to that. Good, good, good attempt. Uh, yes. Okay, this is why we do Vision Sunday. <laughs> Come. Ah, oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There we go. It's there for you. Flipping heck. Come as you are. That's it. And we, we've since day one, we're nearly eight years old. Since day one, this is what we've been about. Come as you are. Don't pretend to be someone that you're not. Don't pretend that life's great if it's not. Just be who you are and Come. Uh, as you are. And we have loved over the years, uh, you know, people having permission to just simply be themselves. And we have found that with time, together with one another and together with Jesus, we don't stay as we are because it's God who changes us. And that has just been a wonderful thing. We love the fact that we are non-judgmental. We are open to receive people of all walks of life and backgrounds and what have you. And what we've noticed actually over the years is the diversity that has, you know, happened amongst us. As I look out, we're incredibly diverse in terms of our backgrounds and our cultures and our ages and what have you. And that's been a wonderful thing. When we started up, this is very uh, typical. When you start a church, most people that gather to the church are similar to the people that are leading the church. And surprise, surprise, we had lots of Uh, families kind of with young children similar age to ourselves but what we've loved is that things have changed over the years another key phrase that we use often to communicate who we are is a place of hope that we as a people would be a place of hope and as we've reflected on that there are many places of hope represented there's this place that we get to meet every single Sunday. 
but there are also your homes, those that open their homes and lead life grooms specifically. But it's not just those that have the badge or title of leading. It's you folks at home that open your homes and gather one another to your home, be it for a cup of coffee, be it round for a meal or whatever it is. We have um, buildings in the center of town, and as you know, because we communicated it, we're, uh, we're hopefully steering towards another place, another hub of where we'll get to do lots of the kingdom things that God's called us to, and that will be another place of hope. There are the coffee shops, restaurants that we frequent, that we meet one another. They are all places of hope. Your workplaces, the social clubs, the people, the places, the communities where you go, we go, and he goes. And it's all about bringing the hope and the love of Jesus into those places. So as Paul said, our vision hasn't changed. No, we want people to come as they are. We want to be that place of hope where people encounter Jesus and then can give it away. And years ago, I read this sentence in a book. And so long ago, I can't even remember what the book was or who wrote it. So I can't even credit the author. But it's this. That is why I say it is entirely possible to be grateful and desperate at the same time. I am grateful for what he has done, but desperate for what he can do. And that came back to me again this week as I was thinking about today and, and the time ahead. I am so grateful for what God has done in this church in the last coming up to eight years. I'm so grateful for what he's done in our community. But I don't want to just coast along and think, oh, isn't this good? You know, we've got pretty good church now, quite a few people. There's this happening, there's that happening. I want more people to come and find the life that Jesus gives. I want more people to come to faith. I want more people to be set free. People with addiction, people with hurts and hang-ups. I think we can be grateful for what God has done, but yet I do feel we're called to reach for more and be expectant for more. And I was reminded this morning of Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. So yes, as we are filled with this love, as we worship him, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit and grow in this love, then we can expect God to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. So what does that look like when we think about our values? Our values have to come from our vision. As Kathy mentioned there, one of them is community. We have connection, community, and compassion. Hopefully you know that. And we derived those values when we started the church from Jesus' words in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
So let's think about our value of connection. Connection with God is so important. It's why we're gathered here on a Sunday morning. And we know we can do that in different ways, different practices, disciplines, prayer, Bible, all of that. And in this next season, we're going to go deeper with that in our, when we talk about spiritual formation. But we've said before in this church that we want to be people of God's presence and that we spend, when we spend time in his presence, things change. And for us at Carrick Fergus Vineyard, one of the key ways we do this is through worship. And I'm talking about sung worship, what we've just done. That's why we devote time to it. That's why we stand up and sing song after song, because we worship God. It's a response to his invitation. And we're so grateful for the times that we've spent in his presence. We're grateful for the worship team coming early and setting up and practicing so that we can do that. We love it that our children and young people get to worship God in their spaces and in our life groups. But I was thinking of that sense of expectancy more than we can ask or imagine. So how can we reach for more in this whole area of connection, of worship? And we know that when we pray and cry out to God and intercede, he hears our prayers and he moves and we see his kingdom come. And I've loved reading some of Pete Gregg's books and 24-7 prayer and seeing God move through previous revivals. We've talked about that during the year. So I'm super excited that Esther and Hannah are wanting to reach for more in this whole area and that whoever wants to gather with them on Friday for prayer and intercession, they're going to do it every second Friday of the month and we'd love you to, to join with them. That's a way to reach for more. We continue to reach for more in Friday church. It's just a really accessible short service that anyone in our community to, can come to in a lunchtime on Friday. It's a simple thing, but it's a beautiful thing and it was lovely to gather together on Friday. You know, we love to see more people connecting with God. It was amazing to do Alpha this year. Elaine and the team ran that. People became Christians through Alpha as we create that safe space for them to ask questions and know more about God. We had baptisms this year. Nine people got baptized at Browns Bay in May. So it's just wonderful to think about reaching for more. And maybe one of the ways we can reach for more is think about Alpha next year. Who is there in our lives who's hungry for God, who needs to know Jesus, who we could invite? You know, Paul shared for our desire for a new space, a new building that we're reaching for, reaching for that. What would it look like if we could have worship nights in that building, bigger alpha courses, more people meeting in that space? You know, Antrim Coast Vineyard is being planted in a pr pretty much a month's time. That's reaching for more so that people who don't know Jesus or have drifted away from him in that area can connect with him and worship him because Andy and Andrea and their team are stepping out and reaching for more. So that's a question I want to ask you guys this morning. In this whole area of connection and worship, how can you as an individual, how can I reach for more, be hungry for God, and how can we do that as a church community? Our second value is community. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, it, it says in Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone. And we're super connected um, in our 
world at the moment, aren't we, through social media and all of that? But are we really connected? Are we really fully known by other people? Church of Jesus is such a great opportunity to create community. And I am super grateful for the ways that that happens already in the life of our church. I hope I don't leave things out in all this, but like tots, diversity, rest, family events, book club, making meals for new mums, the allotment, it's amazing the sense of community that's created around all those things. What would it look like for us to reach for more in this whole area of community? Sign up for life groups, as many of us as possible, just journey in life together. When it's hard, you're able to share. When you're excited and celebrating, you're able to share with your life group. The men had a beer night a while ago, and someone who, do, who doesn't come to our church, he, he isn't just knocked on someone else in our church's door who comes here and said tell me about this beer night they came along they loved it and they said this is great for guys to get together isn't it it's good for our mental health so like guys just getting together so the guys are hopefully going to plan something else reach women you know some of these things cross over more than one of our values as you'd expect as well as being an amazing space to meet in God's presence reach women creates community so reach for more ladies who is it in your life who doesn't know Jesus or you might be lonely or just needs community invite them to the reach supper night Jillian's going to be doing parenting additional needs this term some of us have dreams for how community can happen. How can we reach for more as individuals and as a church? And I know I keep saying it, but the new building, how cool would that be to have more space to create community? And the third value is compassion. As a church, we know that we have met with God, that we connect with him, that we can have community. But we're not called to huddle up and have a holy huddle and keep it to ourselves. We're called to give it away. We've said loads and loads of times about Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we're called to be like Jesus in those things. And I hope it's okay for me to say, and maybe I don't make, I'm not proud, not pride, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm really grateful that we have a reputation as a church for being in the community, for giving it away, for showing compassion. And we're so glad that's part of Steve's role to head that up. It's amazing. Think of the things that we can we have done in the past as a church, you know, creating Christmas in, in a better way for people by giving cat presents, assisting people with their finances and helping us manage our money better through the cat money course that's coming up. There's over 80 kids and families in our community this term starting school who have a lovely school bag and what they needed that they might not have otherwise have had because of art bags. You know, Gillian and others get to serve in a local primary school, deliver RE lessons and clubs and care for children and families in that school. We get to partner with or host other organizations like Fo Carrick Food Bank, Seeds, Cornerstone. We get to go out in the streets with a revive and pray for people and be part of community events like the triathlon and storm in the castle. We get to listen, be present to people through active listening. You know, people in our church and beyond are caring for vulnerable children and kids who are in care or on the edge of care. They do everything from making up hygiene bags for them to befriending them and spending time every month to thinking about maybe fostering an adoption. It's 
amazing to be able to list all these things, and I am so grateful. But I'm also expectant and longing to reach for more. We're trying new things. We're doing Meetup Mondays and Onis in partnership with them, Positive Carrick Fergus, the Community Church, the Relationship Resource Centre. Isn't it amazing we're going to get to show compassion and to hope to children in Ethiopia through our Stand By Me team? We already support them regularly as a church, but we get to reach for more by some of us actually going or supporting those who go. What would it look like for no child in Northern Ireland to be waiting for a foster home or an adoptive home because the church has risen up and provided loving families for them? We're reaching for more this term with our Home for Good group by just exploring that theologically and biblically and practically. There's so much going on and I'm so grateful, but I'm also hungry for more. And I'm really sorry if I've missed something out coming tell me off afterwards and also Paul's got a really exciting one that we want to tell you about as well so back to him so I, I've known about this uh, since we since we agreed on this uh, since February and I've been busting to tell you uh, but kind of waited until th this time um, for the last few years uh, we have had it in our hearts to uh, do a Christmas lunch on Christmas Day for people in our community who, uh, for whatever reason, don't have a family to go to, or they're on their own on Christmas Day, a Christmas lunch, and it's been something that's been burning in us for a long time, but we just don't have the facilities for it, really, you know, <laughs> we couldn't really make a Christmas lunch in our place and all the rest, so uh, we, we, we friends who've been doing this for years in Oma, from Oma Community Church, and we said it to them at Christmas, just past, and said, yeah, still, uh, we'd still love to do it, can't do it. And they, they said, well, why don't you ask a local business if you can borrow their place? I said, oh, that's a great idea. And instantly thought of Onis and hadn't ever really had a conversation of any depth with the owner there uh, until January, February of this year. And uh, so went along and just kind of said, to uh, to Jack, the owner, I said, this is what we'd love to do. And he's like, well, what, what do you want from me? And I said, well, I want to borrow your pub. <laughs> and so he said, right, yeah, that's, I could think that's okay. And what do you, you want to do? And I said, well, I want to make a meal. You know, we, we need to get into your kitchen to make it. And he's like, well, my oven costs 10,000 pounds. There's no way any of you lot are going to be in my kitchens. <laughs> so that's a fair point. And so uh, anyway, the long story short, as we, as we shared things together, I just sensed between us there's just a real oneness of, of heart for people and for community. And so the long story short is that we, uh, in partnership with, with Onis, we're going to host a Christmas lunch this year for people in our community who will be alone. Uh, we will gather them. They will need to sign up with us. It will be Carrick Vineyard event um, that will be owners during, I think I think we arranged like 12.30, 2.30, something like that, 12 till 2. And uh, so we'll host them. We'll have a team of us guys that will be on hand. We'll host and we'll act as waiters and waitresses uh, Jack's going to bring in his staff and they're going to do the food for us, for people in our community. And uh, we want to give them Christmas presents. I haven't quite figured out how we're going to do that. 
but uh, I think, I can't remember as well, but up to 60 people, maybe 80 people, I can't quite remember what we agreed. Um, and that's just partnership through ourselves as a community of believers and a local business. The same heart, the same vision for people in our community. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? And, and, and just to say, you know, the folks at owners, they don't want a big song and a dance about it. It's not going to make the papers and all that sort of stuff. We will need to sort of promote it, social media and stuff, to, to be able to get the right people. But we, we just don't want a big song and a dance about it and how brilliant, you know, it's just about serving. So, all of the above is what we give ourselves to, who we are, what we're about. And much of it is derived from the two greatest commandments, love God love each other. And I want to just take the rest of our time this morning just to speak a bit about uh, another commandment that Jesus gave. And he says this in John uh, chapter 13. He says to his disciples in preparation for his death, a new command I give you. And by the way, it's not to replace the 10, right? It kind of encapsulates or summarizes them all. The new command that Jesus gives his disciples are love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's not replacing the commandments, it's just reiterating. And what I'd love to do is, is uh, steal a good portion of a, of a talk that I heard by my old pastor, Mike Pilavachi, give recently. Uh, and uh, he does a much better job than I'm about to do, so I'd encourage you, go watch it on YouTube. The title of the talk is Church is a Family, Not a Business. Church, we are a family and not a business. And this commandment is given to his disciples in those early, early days, simply because Jesus knew the persecution that they were going to face. And he says, if, guys, if you're going to stand any chance of actually getting through this, you need to love one another. And it was true then and it's true today. If we're going to get through this life together in one piece, we, body of Christ, disciples of Jesus, need to love one another. We live in a very much individualistic kind of society, more than probably ever has been before. It's all about me, myself and I the unholy trinity. It's about me, it's about my rights, it's about my wishes, it's about my whatever, it's what I can get. We have our uh, Apple devices which all begin with the letter I. It's okay, as long as it makes you happy, dear. We've never been as connected, digitally speaking, than ever before, and yet we've never felt as lonely as ever before. And it feels like a week doesn't pass by without me having a conversation with someone on this very subject. Meet Up Mondays began last Monday in Onis, and uh, we're hoping over the number of weeks on a Monday between 11 and 1 o'clock to gather people in our community to create community. 
That's what it's about. I was out cycling with, uh, with Phil. Phil, I'm looking in your direction. I know you're not want to be highlighted, but we, we head out uh, on the bikes together. The two of us, we chat. My goodness, if any, if any of you, I hope I'm not embarrassing you. If anyone knows Phil, sometimes he can be a little shy. See, one-to-one, you can't shut him up. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. If we were doing a word count, it's like 80%, 20%. And when we're on the bikes together just a week ago, he's telling me about this TED talk that he's been listening to. And this, these guys have done the research to the longevity of life. And they measured, I don't know how they did it, they measured all these different ways which were guaranteeing a longer life in terms of years. And you'd think it might be, you know, good health or the Mediterranean diet or the vitamin C or this, that, the other, or whatever it might be. And they concluded, I don't know how they did, or the research behind it. But one of the most significant factors to a long and healthy life was community. It was having people in their lives. And literally in the same breath, or maybe the same day, I'm having another conversation with Victor, who's also in this direction. In fact, you're two chairs away. There must be the Lord. Um, And Victor's sharing this story about himself and a friend of his, who'd been going into one of the local nursing homes here. They went in, they spent a bit of time with some people, they gathered together, they did some songs, some music, some of them were just local kind of tunes that they would know, some of them were things like Amazing Grace and old hymns which they would know, and uh, Paul, I think it was, shared his story and some stories, and the people there just loved it. And the conversation just kind of flowed a bit, And we began to conclude there are a number of nursing homes in our town with people who are lonely in those places. And there are like 20 churches in our town. And between us, and it doesn't have to just be churches, between us there is no collaboration towards a systematic way of going and visiting and being community in those places. And you begin to think, my goodness. And then as we're having these conversations, we begin to think, maybe the Lord's speaking. Maybe there's something that we should begin. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I've completely gone off piece there. I had no intention. Back to the notes. Where are we? Folks, we in the church can get sucked into this me, myself, and I thing. We can talk about my ministry. Oh, I don't do that because I do this. We can talk about um, my calling, my anointing, my whatever it might be. And yet we're called to be a family, the body of Christ. Yes, in the body of Christ, some are a hand and some are a nose and some are a toe and some are a what this and the other. But we're called folks together to be a family to be the body. Briefly want to share biblically, because it's always good to do that. That was a joke. Um, From Joseph, Joseph's story. Joseph as a young man, a 17-year-old fella, uh, gets incredible revelation from the Lord. And any of us who've been taught anything about prophecy, we talk about three things, the revelation, the interpretation, and the application. 
Joseph receives these incredible dreams, the revelation of this is what it's going to be. That was the revelation. His interpretation, the way that he applied it, was a bit off. He begins to tell his brothers, hey guys, guess what? I'm the best thing since sliced bread. God has anointed me out of the 12 of us, and this is what it's going to look like. Arrogance. All about me, not about you. And yet Joseph's calling and anointing was about rescuing his family. The actual application was to do that very thing. His life existed not for him, but for his family and for the people of God. And he missed it because he was a young fella. So he embarks on 13 years of, of humbling before the Lord and a lot of years in prison for stuff that he didn't do. But we take up the story in Genesis 39. He is sold by his brothers uh, and eventually ends up in a man's house called Potiphar. It says from the time he was put in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. First point, it was because of Joseph that Potiphar's house flourished. It was because he was there. It was what he carried. It's what God had given Joseph and had entrusted to Joseph that became the favor and the blessing to Potiphar and Potiphar's household. Joseph gets thrown into prison for something he doesn't do. And while he is there, the cupbearer gets freed. Because of Joseph and what Joseph carried and what God had entrusted to him, the cupbearer is blessed. Eventually, Joseph is released and goes to work for Pharaoh. And he becomes like the prime minister. And because of Joseph, revelation from the Lord, he favors and prospers Pharaoh incredibly. And not only Pharaoh, but the people of Egypt. They become like the richest nation around. Because of Joseph, the surrounding nations are blessed because during the seven years of famine, they're able to go to Egypt to get the food so that they can survive. Because of Joseph. Because of Joseph, the brothers go in search of food and they find him. And even though his brothers were sold to Joseph, uh, sold Joseph into slavery, it's because of him that they and the people of God and the lineage are rescued and redeemed. Eventually, Joseph plays the game. You know the story. Many of you will know the story. Because of the cat and mouse, uh, now you see me, now you don't. I'm the brother. I'm not the brother. Now I am the brother. And he reveals himself to them. The brothers are really, really fearful, obviously, of what they've done to him. They've lived with the guilt and the shame. But Joseph says the following. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. In these times, in those biblical times then, um, it would have been a slave that would have been sent in front of someone. And Joseph is deliberately using this language. It was because of all of us. It was because of saving lives that God sent me ahead of you as the servant, as the slave. 
his attitude of forgiveness and love for his brothers, of serving them, has completely changed because God has humbled him over this time. Because of Joseph, Joseph gets his family back. He didn't exist for himself. He existed for other people. And as I look around and the people that I know, you don't exist for yourself. The things that God has given you, he's gifted you. The incredible talents that he has entrusted to you. The wealth that you have. The resources that the Lord has given you. The pain and the struggles and the terrible things which you have journeyed. Which God has brought you through the valley to a more healthy place. Because of those things. It's not for you. It's for other people. It's for other people. Joseph getting this incredible dream. Hey, look at me, guys. It wasn't for him. It was for others. And we, as a body of Christ, if we're called to love one another, we're called to serve one another. And we're called to lay down our lives for each other. How are we doing? Okay, need to hurry up. Uh, in Mike's teaching, he doesn't miss and hit the wall. That's a great phrase, isn't it? He talks about churches and church growth. And he talks about going to church leaders' conferences and all this. And he's like, I'm not going to any more. I've been to so many of them. And here's the script. You go to the church leader conference and they talk about growing your church from 30 people to 3,000 people and all you have to do is hire the best and get the best person in and get the best and pay the salary and all this and they'll get you the next number of people. And that in many ways is such a business-minded kind of mentality. And he said this, he said, if you want to hire the best, you've got to raise the best. And he said, if that's the mentality of buying the best, someone's got to raise the best for you to be able to buy the rest. And it kind of made me think, you know, so much of what the Lord is doing with us, this is about raising up people. And God, this is very much the wider language that is being batted around many churches right now. This is some of the language which is really actually, I think, quite helpful. That we're called to raise sons and daughters. But in order for us to raise sons and daughters, we need to raise fathers and mothers. And as I look around and I see a few nods and a few eyes sparking up, you know what I'm talking about. You know that it's what God has entrusted you with. And that's what it's about. Because in a family, we raise sons and daughters. In a business, if, if Frank's not doing his job properly, Frank gets the sack. But in a family, that doesn't happen. We're trying to raise our kids at the minute. Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that's a bit of a struggle, uh, but it's, we're getting there, is getting them to do stuff around the house. Load the dishwasher, empty the dishwasher, empty the bins, do this, do that. They're low-bar stuff, right? We're getting there. They're getting there. They're, 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 they're good at it. But, do you know, it takes a bit of training to put the plates in a certain way. I'm not being OCD about that, by the way. I know some of you are, some of you, Andy, won't even let you touch putting the cutlery in the dishwasher, right? Because it's got to be in a certain way and all the rest. 
But if, if our kids don't do it right, we don't say, get you away, flippin' heck. And we employ the wee girl who lives across the road who's eight years old. She'll do a better job. No, we don't. Because we're committed to our own kids. We're committed to loving them and encouraging them. And it's the same within the family. We bear with one another, don't we? We are committed to raising one another up together. I've gone off piste again, totally. Where are we? Sorry, Shance. Sorry, I'm letting you down, dear. Come as you are, place of hope. The vision hasn't changed. We're a place where we can come, warts and all. We're a place where we're not going to be judgmental. We're a place where grace and mercy abounds. We're a place where it's okay to not be okay. We're a place where we can let ourselves down. We're a place that promotes honesty and vulnerability. Because if we don't, it just goes underground. We're a place where we feel like we have permission to confess our sins to one another. We're a family where safety and security is a part of who we are. If you're a, a guest here this morning, you're checking us out. Um, this is usually what happens. A person will come to the church and they may have questions like, I wonder what they think about that. I wonder what their doctrine is about this. They may have those questions. But the biggest question they're really asking is this. Could I fit in here? Could I belong here? Do I have a place here with these people? Could I feel at home with these people? And one of the biggest ways that they'll begin to answer that question is they'll look around and they'll see, do we truly love one another and care for each other? How do we love one another? It's by being together. Being with one another. Commit. Again, we say this every year. Commit to coming on Sundays. See, when you're not here, we miss you. Unless it's Sergi. Oh, don't give him a R. Stop it. <laughs> she stuck with you, mate. She said I do at one point. Commit to a life group. Guys, get in one. Whatever it is that's stopping you, get to a life group. There'll be people there where you'll journey life together. And there'll be people there that you might not hit it off. They might irritate you. They might. That's part of family, isn't it? I don't, I, you know, I don't annoy the rest of my family, but there's people in my family that annoy me. Just saying. I've got the microphone. <laughs> Commit to serving and giving. Do the dishes. Contribute to the household fund. Do what it takes, because that's what we do in a family. Commit to opening up. Don't keep it tucked in. Whatever it is. Find the right person. 
or the right couple of people and open up what's really going on. Commit to being there for others. Someone in our community right now is not well and um, they've just been astounded and overwhelmed by people from some of you that have been there for them. And that's just, we've heard that story many, many times before. Be there for each other. Commit to investing in others, raising up others. I urge you, if you have something that God has given you, ask the Lord how you can give that away and who to give that away to. And then just go do that. I love it when I see, and I see lots of it on Sundays, but I know it happens outside of Sundays. When you're meeting up with each other and you're encouraging each other. I love it when I see some of the older folks here taking an interest in my own children. I absolutely give you permission to do that. I encourage you to do that. You're going to give them something that I can't actually give them. I encourage you, please, to do that. And we should be doing that in the right way to, to lots of others. Commit to preferring one another and commit to putting others first. As we conclude, three brief things. One, this lies at the very heart of the nature of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In community, in love with one another. As we do that, we reflect the nature and the heart of God himself. Secondly, healing comes through relationships. I have seen this time and time again. God is the healer. And that's the vertical relationship. But often it happens through journeying together and that's the horizontal relationship. I've seen it in many of your lives. I've seen it in my own life. And we want to see more of that. And then lastly, and we have landed, it's the hope for the world. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We, as the body of Christ, the churches, we have a tremendous opportunity to create community in a lonely society. Places of hope, the people of hope, that we gather together and we create space for people to come into loving community. And I think in our digital, fast-moving, crazy world, we can never ever replace the simplicity of face-to-face -face friendship and community. And I think we as a church have a tremendous opportunity to do that. It is what we do, and it's what we're going to continue to do. This is our vision. Who's with us? Why don't we stand?